You're listening to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Saturius Johnson. Today, we're headed to Grass Valley, a picturesque town in the Sierra Nevada foothills. We'll check out the beautifully renovated Holbrook Hotel, offering a boutique experience and a glimpse into the historic American West. And Patrick Millar of Gold Vibe Kombucheri takes the California questionnaire. But first, Grammy-nominated musician Molly Tuttle. Oh, cast you're a prairie fire dancing in the wind, but you're cold as a high Sierra every time I try to bring your flower in. I promised you the golden California on a painted horse and reins of silver thread. But if I can't steal your heart. The California born singer, songwriter, musician was nominated for a 2023 Best New Artist Grammy, and you'll hear her perform several original tracks on this episode. Visiting Grass Valley made a strong impression on Molly growing up, one that even inspired a song on her new album, Crooked Tree. Before we get to my interview with her, let's hear the solo version of the song Grass Valley, Molly Tuttle played exclusively for California Now listeners. I remember when I first drove with my dad up to Grass Valley Four hours north of San Francisco, just outside Nevada City The road winding through those dry brown hills of gold country I was ten years old and happy Out of school a week early We drove past the welcome sign People playing neat the pines Heard the music floating from the stage Pitched our tent and walked around my heart opened to the sound I didn't know it then But my life had turned a page Standing around jamming To the sounds of little Annie Baptized in the campgrounds of Grass Valley Deadheads in tight dying red Dog music devotees like 
this song, Grass Valley by Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, paints a vivid scene of a young guitarist going with her dad to a bluegrass festival in California for the first time. Well, now that kid is an award-winning songwriter who's racked up millions of plays on Spotify and performed and recorded with acts like Old Crow Medicine Show and Billy Strings. Molly Tuttle was born and raised in California's South Bay area and has several international bluegrass music awards to her credit, including most recently Female Vocalist of the Year. Welcome to California Now, Molly. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Sure. So let's start with that song, Grass Valley, Mm -hmm. from your album, Crooked Tree. Um, I saw a video online where you called it autobiographical. Would you tell us the story behind the song? Yeah, well, I wrote that song. um, It kind of started with an idea to write a song called Grass Valley because um, I was in the midst of writing my latest record, Crooked Tree, and I knew it was going to be a full-on bluegrass record. I grew up playing bluegrass and going to festivals like the one in Grass Valley and going to bluegrass jams. So that's really where my roots were, but I'd never made a full bluegrass record of my own songs that I wrote in that genre with full bluegrass band and everything. And I figured it was finally time to kind of go back to my roots there and call up a bunch of my heroes and make the bluegrass record of my dreams in a way (laughs) that I dreamed of ever since I was a kid. And I think part of it was just during the lockdown, the pandemic, I was getting nostalgic for that community and for the music that I grew up with. I think a lot of us were kind of looking back on on things we missed. Um, and for me, it was playing those songs around a campfire and going to music festivals. And so I thought the the name Grass Valley, since it even has the word grass in it, it just sounded kind of like a nice centerpiece to the album to kind of bring it all together and explain the inspiration for making this album and the inspiration for um, the music that I make in general, all of that really just had me thinking about that first moment when I fell in love with the music at the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival in Grass Valley that I went to year after year as a kid. And it was my first first bluegrass festival. My dad's a bluegrass musician and he grew up um, on a farm in Illinois. My grandfather played the banjo and that's kind of where the music was passed down in my family. But I have so much love for the California music scene and the bluegrass scene especially it's just such a nice it was such a nice group of people to grow up with and such a supportive community for me as a kid and now it's nice to go back and get to play that song there when I get to play in Grass Valley. Yeah and you mentioned your dad you know he's a a, a character in the lyrics uh, to Grass Valley Mm -hmm. and um, there's another video of you playing the song with him. Um, tell, Tell us a bit about that relationship and his influence on you. Yeah, um, I played with my dad all the time growing up. He was my first guitar teacher, and um, he still teaches full-time. That's that's what he's done for the last probably 40 years um, in the Bay Area, teaching all sorts of instruments. And um, he's had so many students who then go to those festivals around the area. And so um, anytime I'm playing in California, I feel like some of my dad's music students will come to my shows. There's always at least one or two of them. It was cool to get to grow up and have that special bond with my father and my two younger brothers play music as well. So when I wrote that song, I knew I wanted to have him sing on the recording, but he couldn't. uh, He was actually teaching so much, he didn't have time to fly out to Nashville (laughs) for the recording session. So he recorded a a vocal part in California that's on the record. And then in the spring, um, we were nearing on Father's Day and I was like, hey, dad, will you please fly out and make a video with me of the song because I really wanted to have a version that was just the two of us kind of duet style and put it out um, for that Father's Day weekend when we would usually be at that festival together. Um, so that's what we did. 
That's really cool. I mean, I, I would imagine, I mean, I don't really play an instrument. Uh, my fam- you know, my family members don't, but I would imagine like, you know, playing with your dad, with your mm-hmm. siblings, that must really create like a really special bond that, you know, you're, you're improvising with each other, you're playing off each other. There, there must be like a really deep bond that that creates. Yeah, I think it was, it was a really special experience. I think it can, it can be like hard to play with your family sometimes because you're like, you get in more fights probably than a normal <laughs> band would. Um, but it's also really fun. And it, there was always so much music around the house when I was a kid. It was just like a nice atmosphere where there were instruments lying around everywhere. And I always felt inspired to pick up the guitar and play. And, and then I would play and maybe one of my brothers would come in and we'd start jamming. Um, so it was for the most part, a lot of fun. Sometimes we'd have a gig coming up and it'd be a little stressful trying to like get it all together when you're like a kid and just want to have fun and maybe not <laughs> think about practicing <laughs> for this show you have. So so let's talk about Grass Valley. I mean, you were just up there for the Hangtown Festival, right? Yeah, yeah, that was so fun. It was, I played um, in Grass Valley back in January, but my album wasn't out yet. And of course we did the Grass Valley song, but nobody had heard it yet and it was really cool to kind of get to play the song in Grass Valley for the first time. But mm-hmm. coming back in the fall, now that the song's been out, I know they've been playing it on the radio in Grass Valley a bit and um, getting to play a real music festival at the same um, fairgrounds that I used to go to as a kid was really special. And it was it was cool that people uh, got to the festival and people were already requesting the song. And then huh. um, it was really exciting to get to play it at that very spot on that stage for the first time. Yeah, amazing. I did, did performing there bring back memories? Yeah, totally. It's such a nostalgic place for me. And um, there's a few festivals throughout the year that that are at that same campgrounds. There's like the Strawberry Music Festival and now Hangtown has moved there. They used to be somewhere else. And then the one I grew up going to, the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival. And then there's like California World Fest is also there and every time I'm there no matter what festival it kind of has that same feeling to me because you'll see a lot of the same people the same kind of vendors the stage is usually in the same spot and it just it brings back a lot of good memories kind of like coming home in a way right totally yeah yeah Uh, did you get a chance to to enjoy the area and explore a bit I didn't really this last time but when we played in back in January I was it was kind of like the most time I've ever really spent exploring um, the downtown and just kind of like the shops and stuff because we were playing like right downtown in Grass Valley. And um, I'm usually just going to the fairgrounds playing, maybe camping and hanging out and jamming. But it was fun to like actually get to explore the city. I think I, I just kind of like shopped around, went in a bunch of the little like witchy stores they have, which were really fun. Got some food. My favorite place it's in Nevada City. I don't know if it's technically in Grass Valley. It's this place called Food and Juice. They serve all these different smoothies and so much good food. And anytime I'm in Grass Valley, I'm like, I have to go to Food and Juice. <laughs> One of my other favorite things to do is go to the Yuba River and um, go swimming there. That's always so much fun. And that's not too far from the campground. So I remember as a kid, I used to get so tired, like I'd stay up all night and play music. And then it was kind of nice to take a break and go to the river and just swim and decompress and then go back to the festival and and continue the music. (laughs) Yeah, no, it sounds like a really great place to do that. I mean, just to be able to get away into the woods or go over by the river. Yeah, totally. You know, you mentioned California in the song uh, Castalea. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a song called San Francisco Blues on your new album. Yeah. Is, is California kind of like a, a recurring theme or character for you? 
Yeah, I think it's something that I really like to, I mean, the state of California and all the experiences I had growing up, it's something I explore a lot in my songwriting. Um, it's just, the state is so captivating to me now that I haven't lived there. I've lived in Nashville now for seven years, but I go back all the time and I just have such a deep love for the history and and the music that's been made there in the past and um, and the culture and the people and kind of the, and the community that I grew up in. So I think you can kind of hear that in a lot of my songs um, off Crooked Tree. I was just really feeling nostalgic um, for growing up there, but also just kind of wanting to explore more of the history of the state and, um, and think about how, how it came to be that I ended up playing this music that's not really associated with California, but right. does have pretty deep roots there. If you think about all the bluegrass that's been made in California, you got like David Grisman, Tony Rice, of course, Jerry Garcia, when he would play with Olden in the Way. And I think the Grateful Dead has had such a big impact on a lot of the the folk music and the bluegrass jams that you find around the Bay Area, especially like I grew up in Palo Alto, which is where Jerry Garcia was from and he used to play the banjo and had a bluegrass band there. So um, I started thinking about that a lot and it just kind of became like a piece of the puzzle to me of why I love the area so much and why I feel like even though I'm not from Kentucky, I feel like I still kind of have a claim to this style of music. Oh, absolutely. I was going to mention that, you know, when you think of bluegrass, you don't think of California immediately, but there mm-hmm. is this this kind of rich, you know, history of uh, bluegrass, you know, community. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you still have family and friends in California? Yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad are still there. My brothers are both in California. I have a ton of cousins there and a lot of friends from high school and from even before high school, (laughs) middle school (laughs) and grade school and um, my aunts and uncles. So I go back quite frequently just because I I love getting to see my family and, um, and friends and definitely still have a lot of connections to the Bay Area. Yeah. What, what do you miss most about living in California? Well, of course, I miss my family. That's probably what I miss the most, um, just being close to them. And then in second place, it would have to be like all the different natural settings you can find yourself in. Like you can go from the beach and seeing the sea otters and kelp forest to like drive for 15 minutes and be in the redwoods and or you can go into San Francisco and all of a sudden be like in the city or go to Golden Gate Park and you climb a mountain and I just don't know any other place to me that's that has that many different landscapes and just beautiful nature and it's kind of like that's like I'm not a super spiritual person but that's like as spiritual as I get is just going out into nature and um, I really miss that about California is how much I relate to the the natural landscapes out there. Yeah. Are, are there any particular spots that like call to you when you, when you come to California? Yeah. I always want to go to um, like the Santa Cruz mountains. I love going to the redwoods and kind of driving up highway one. I love doing that drive from Santa Cruz, like up through half moon Bay, just driving along the coast. And a lot of times I just like doing that drive. And then if I see a cool beach, I'll just stop and kind of maybe wander around, maybe even go swimming if I have my wetsuit. And that's just my favorite thing to do is take a day and drive along the coastline and, and take as many stops as I want to. Yeah, it's so beautiful up there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your, your newest album is called Crooked Tree. Um, mm-hmm. What's the significance of that title? Well, I wrote that song with my friend Melody Walker. And um, we also she also grew up in the Bay Area music scene. And 
Um, now we both live in Nashville. And I think both of us, when we were kids, we had things that made us feel like different from the other kids in school and stuff. Melody grew up with scoliosis, wearing a back brace. So um, for her, the crooked tree metaphor was really, it resonated with her a lot because she felt like there was something about her that was literally crooked, like her back had to be straightened out when she was a kid. Mm. And for me, I lost my hair um, when I was three years old and it never grew back. So I wear wigs mostly these days. But um, as a kid, I, I didn't like wearing wigs and I would wear hats a lot, but it always, I would get so many like stares and comments or even got bullied sometimes because I didn't have hair and didn't look like the other kids. Um, so the song Crooked Tree is all about taking those things that maybe you feel self-conscious about, maybe was a hardship for you and realizing that it can be turned into a strength, which is something I kind of had to teach myself as an adult and just kind of celebrating what those things that make us all different because we all have something like that that makes us a crooked tree. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great message. So Molly, I, w- I was wondering, could you could you play a little bit of crooked tree for us now? Of course. I'd love to. One was straight, crimson bark and emerald needles growing day by day. And though they looked so different, they enjoyed the rain the same side by side. A chickadee told them of a darkness on the land, spinning blades that came as they carried by a man. And every other tree would see them cut down where they stand by.
God, that was amazing, masterful, beautiful. Thank you so much. That was so great. Thank you. <laughs> well, Molly, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Molly Tuttle is a singer, songwriter, guitar, and banjo player who was just nominated for a 2023 Best New Artist Grammy. The album Crooked Tree by Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway came out earlier this year and can be found in all the usual places. This is California Now. You can't fully appreciate the storied history of the American West without spending some time in California. And if you want to experience that history while enjoying a stay at a distinct boutique hotel in the Sierra Nevada foothills, my next guest is the person to talk to. Sonia Krimsky books events and helped style beautiful new renovations at the historic Holbrook Hotel in Grass Valley. Welcome to California Now, Sonia. Well, thank you, Satirius. Thanks for having me. So, you know, before we get to the particulars of the Holbrook Hotel, I want to kind of orient people who aren't familiar with Grass Valley. Where exactly is it? Yeah. So a lot of people, when they think of California, they always imagine the beaches and Hollywood, the Golden Gate Bridge, and maybe they think of the Redwood Forest. But we are located in the mountains, um, the Sierra Foothills. We're just about an hour north uh, drive of Sacramento and about an hour and a half west of Tahoe. So we're kind of a little out of the way. It's a little hidden gem nestled in the Sierra Nevada foothills. And what's the vibe of the town? Can you kind of describe it to the uninitiated? The vibe of the town, it's it is really cute. It's it's pretty quaint. Um, it's small. It's just under 13,000. It has a, a village kind of feel, which can be really um, adorable and charming. And also everyone gets to know you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I moved from LA about five years ago and it just charmed me. The vistas, the Sierra Nevadas, uh, the close proximity to nature, that's inspired many artists and and people prior. Uh, it really drew me in. Yeah, and I was gonna, well, I was going to ask you like you know I mean thirteen thousand people is not a lot. I mean it's it's a small town, and so you had a small town vibe. So, but what kind of people, you know, what sort of people live in Grass Valley? <laughs> well, it's beautiful, and you know I kind of describe it as a cross sometimes between Twin Peaks and Schitt's Creek. It's, um, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> it's very, very idiosyncratic. Uh, you know, everyone has their personalities. You know, the the town crier, the town gossip. Um, it <laughs> it's something that you only find in a small town. But there's that influx of tourists and um, people from the Bay Area that have their their cabin. But you also have the creatives, the artists, the mystics. 
that come here from from all over. And then wintertime, there's snow. So I guess maybe the skiers come or what? Yeah, there's there's snow. There's just enough. So it, it'll snow and it'll last generally two to three days at our elevation. So we get a lot of Tahoe tourists that come for a stopover and then go to their resort in Tahoe. It, it does have that beautiful winter element as well as these um, really fun um, holiday fairs that are street bazaars where everyone dresses up. It's like a Dickinson fair. So (laughs) their top hats and put on their silly accents. And um, we have Cornish Christmas here in Grass Valley on Fridays and then Victorian Christmas every Wednesday and Sunday leading up to uh, to Christmas. So you could be walking around town and there'll be people kind of like in period costume from the 1800s or something. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's like a Renaissance fair for Christmas. <laughs> That's great. All right. So let's focus now on the Holbrook Hotel. Um, of course, you know, I want to go deep on the history and hear about the recent renovations. But first, can you kind of help me picture it? What does it physically look like? So um, as you mentioned earlier, I was part of that restoration. It's, um, it's a historic building. It's recently been repainted and refurnished, uh, renovated. The outer face of the building is uh, black and white, but very clean, almost Edwardian or Victorian uh, masonry. But it's unique to the Motherlode area. And we call it Motherlode architecture because of the history of of the building. Right. So the mother, the mother load, like referring to the mother load of gold that people were coming out to California for during the gold rush. Exactly. So what are the surroundings like of the hotel? And nothing is taller than four stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and look out on some of the front facing balconies of the Holbrook Hotel and look over the town. You can kind of see Boston Ravine, the original settlement of the town and the rolling hills filled with pine trees all around. That's really great. So, you know, if I'm going to visit the hotel as I step into the lobby, what do I see? When we renovated the hotel, we tore out um, some of the lathe and wallpaper that had been built around and really occluding the the original architecture. So Mm. it's now a very open floor plan with Uh, The front desk is right on your left. It's hardwood floors, vaulted ceilings. Um, The mahogany of the original building was restored. And the copper walls of the bar, which are original to the 1855 rebuild of the hotel, are there in the old saloon. You look to your right and you see a marble-topped saloon that's the oldest, uh, longest-running saloon in California history. Hmm. That uh, The back bar was shipped around the Straits of Magellan because the um, building of the Transcontinental Railroad had not yet been completed, nor had the Panama Canal been completed. This um, history of the bar and the saloon is really primary to the hotel itself um, because when it was founded, it was founded first as a saloon. All right. If bars could only talk. (laughs) Absolutely. We don't have a town center, but if we did, I would would say that the Holbrook is is at its uh, core. It almost sounds like, you know, when, when I think back to those Wild West movies like Cowboys and Gold Miners and poker games and gunfights, the Holbrook and Grass Valley there could could very well be a backdrop for that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some of those famous writers of that era came to the Holbrook um, simply to witness um, Mark Twain being one of them who who (laughs) tried his hand at prospecting. Um, Jack (laughs) London and and Bret Hart both stayed at the hotel. And um, these weren't just one night stays or a weekend stay. You know, you have to remember that um, getting here was arduous. You couldn't cross the Sierra Nevadas easily or safely. You had to go up and around through the Oregon Trail or sail all the way around South America. So to get here across the Western Expanse was an incredible odyssey that took months. You weren't just coming for a long weekend, basically. Right. And when you stayed, (laughs) you stayed for months at a time. The hotel was this incredible um, I, I think it must have been anachronistic to, to arrive here in the midst of a bustling boomtown with mostly, you know, uh, canvas and tin roof shacks um, along what's now Main Street and then see this, this almost monolith of a, of a hotel that had running water and bathtubs and later electricity. Um, so it was really this this incredible place where writers, poets, um, courtesans, artists, um, free thinkers, and of course, gold prospectors came. You know, you mentioned Mark Twain. Are there any specific stories you can share from, you know, his visit? He supposedly visited several times, and he gave several lectures at the Holbrook and the National Exchange Hotel. He supposedly, he stayed in what's now room two, but that was formerly known as the Mark Twain room. <laughs> it's the corner suite uh, and it has this beautiful balcony access. And he would sit out there with his uh, bourbon or his his whiskey and heckle people. <laughs> that's, that's the only story I have. And that I got from you know, one of the locals. So I don't know if you can verify it, <laughs> but... What's really cool about the hotel is that it's it wasn't, when it was built especially, it wasn't a place to just spend the night. It sounds like it really was this cultural hub for the area where, you know, you were having lectures and you were having people, you know, having debates and, you know, it wasn't just kind of like gunslinging poker games and saloons. It was also a place where people were coming together to interact with each other. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And of course, there was that element as well. Um, The downstairs bar known now as the Iron Door Speakeasy was a literal speakeasy in the 20s. It has about a 50, 60 foot tunnel that was burrowed underground under the street um, to the brothel. Um, And they would have high stakes games in the downstairs uh, kind of club and the upstairs saloon was um, was also was open for the miners and prospectors um, but it had this stately elegance so yeah uh, I, I imagine it was a pretty fun place it's still kind of that cultural hub maybe not quite as exciting as gunslinging and the wild west that that we imagine it was but um but we're okay with that. We like to keep it. <laughs> yeah. We want to keep it classy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. Exactly. And it is classy. Um, you know, given all the of the history that the uh, hotel has, I have to ask, is the Holbrook Hotel haunted? I've heard and read different kind of stories about it, and I want to get your take. 
Right. Well, we give a tour um, called Haunted by History. It's intriguing. And I, everyone asks about it. Have you seen a ghost? I call myself a fax man. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I like to stick to, to reality, but it is intriguing. Um, and when I was there, uh, when the hotel had basically been gutted, you know, the floorboards were, um, we were walking the plank, so to speak, as we tore up the floors and renovated the wiring and the plumbing. It definitely had um, sometimes a feeling that was akin to creepy. <laughs> but, you know, you might find that with any place that seems abandoned, um, that's under restoration. So, but I've never actually seen a, a ghost or nothing too terrifying. But <laughs> well, I, that's good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just get that feeling. As, as you mentioned, if these walls could talk, I think if there are ghosts there, um, they're pretty happy with the remodel, you know, they're, <laughs> they're happy that their home is, has had a facelift. Right. Uh, and, uh, a historically accurate facelift too. Right. I mean, you're kind of like, it seems like you kind of wiped away a lot of kind of maybe not so great renovations over the decades and you kind of brought it back to what it originally was. Correct. I, I certainly think so. You know, it sounds like the building as it stands today pays homage to its history. Um, we're going to get into some of the specific parts of that in a moment. But first, what's the overall experience there like? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, part modern boutique hotel mixed with a time capsule that goes back 170 years. Correct. Yeah. And um, and we have a great <laughs> we have a great culinary team. So, you know, we are in hospitality. Uh, the foundation of the hotel was originally as a saloon. So I think our cocktails are fantastic. Um, London Desmond, our general manager, is um, an incredible mixologist. And we really try to keep it fresh and exciting and interesting for not only our local demographic, but the tourists that come here for a reprieve from the hustle and bustle of city life. But they still have that, you know, that those elevated expectations in hospitality. So I think we... We meet those expectations. We've really dialed in our team. So it's been really fun to see that. But it's very approachable, very comfortable. Now, in addition to the Holbrook Hotel, you know, you also work for the National Exchange Hotel just up the road in Nevada City, which is kind of like a sister property, I take it. So um, what, what's that like? Oh, the National is beautiful. Um, you know, if we were to genderfy the hotels, the, the Holbrook would be kind of maybe the more masculine counterpart to the more feminine Victorian National Exchange Hotel. It's a great place, too. You got to see it. <laughs> and what's the art scene like? The art scene is fun and kooky. Um, First Fridays in Nevada City is a really fun art walk that a lot of people from the Bay traditionally would come up for because it's a great deal. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a lot of those, um, let's see, on Wednesdays during the summer, there's an art market. So they close down, you know, the city to showcase arts and, and fine crafts that a lot of locals have, have created and made. Well, you know, Grass Valley just sounds like a really incredible place to visit, especially if you want to kind of really, you know, delve into the history of California and stay at a place where you can just feel like you're, you know, surrounded by the history. So, you know, Sonia, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Oh, thank you, Satarius. 
Sonia Krimsky books events at the Holbrook Hotel in Grass Valley. They're online at holbrook.com. That's Holbrook with an E at the end. The website of their sister hotel in Nevada City is thenationalexchange.com. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about in today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Up next, our California questionnaire segment with Patrick Millar, co-founder of Grass Valley's Gold Vibe Kombuchery. The California questionnaire is a brief survey designed to unlock what residents love about living in the Golden State. Longtime listeners know it first appeared on the show when I interviewed Kevin Costner last year. This episode, Patrick narrates his way through the questionnaire himself, documentary style. Enjoy. Hi, this is Patrick Millar from Gold Vibe, and I'm taking the California questionnaire. Where do I live? I live in Grass Valley, California. Why there? So I've been in this area on and off for a long time, Uh, moved away several times, moved back several times. Every time I move away, I end up missing it here and I end up coming back. What is the biggest misperception about Californians? In my opinion, it's that the whole state is Southern California. Whenever I've traveled and I tell people that I'm from California, they always think the beach, hot weather, you know, shopping, the movies, (laughs) you know, some of the areas around here, um, especially on the eastern side of the Sierra, you know, um, Lake Tahoe, Grass Valley, um, you know, there's small towns, you know, each one with its own particular microculture. So. Yeah, I think that's the biggest misconception is that we're all we're all Southern Californians. What is my favorite Golden State splurge? Probably my road trips. You know, California is the best spot to go to the mountains or go to the beach. Grass Valley in particular is right in between those two. So, you know, in a few hours I could be to, you know, Santa Cruz and that area and have a really awesome day on the beach or I could get up to Tahoe and you know, go skiing or snowboarding and stay in a cabin. So yeah, my splurges are like weekend getaways where I, you know, only have to travel a couple hours, but I feel like I'm somewhere totally different. And I think California allows you to do that more than other places. If I could decree a specific state culinary experience, it would be burritos. Um, We have the best burritos, especially with like avocados and sometimes they'll put french fries in them i mean you can just get the best burritos also anything farm to fork we're really lucky to have all the agriculture so i'd say my second would be like avocado toast you know but like really elaborate avocado toast with fresh caught salmon and a poached egg and local microgreens all the good stuff Where I would go for the ultimate shopping spree, I would probably do that shopping spree in my own hometown. You know, there is a, there's a great men's clothing store called uh, Novex and it's in Nevada city and they always just have really high quality uh, menswear, which it's hard to find a boutique men's store. So I really appreciate that. There's also a place actually called the hat store or the hat shop but it's in Nevada city. It's been there for years and years and years. And they have every kind of, you know, hat style from cowboy hats to, you know, top hats to just regular baseball caps, all kinds of cool hats. 
What is my favorite California song? Well, the one that I think to is uh, LL Cool J, I'm Going Back to Cali. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. And it's just every time I'm like coming back here, I, I think about that song. And um, he talks about a lot of the great things about this state and why uh, you can leave, but you're always going to want to come back. How would my California dream day unfold? Um, we're blessed here to have several lakes and, you know, the Yuba River uh, has become quite the hot spot in the last few years. And for good reason, it's, it's an amazing place. Big white granite boulders, turquoise water. You know, there's things about that river that are, in my mind, better than going to the beach. Um, it's just fantastic. So my dream day is just being able to relax and kind of bop around town, you know, go down to the river, hang out with friends, you know, maybe do a bonfire somewhere, sleep outside in a hammock. I'm Patrick Millar from Gold Vibe Kombuchery, and I just did the California questionnaire. You can find us online at goldvibe.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Gold Vibe Booch. You can find dozens of California questionnaires on our website, including surveys filled out by Kristen Bell, Francis Ford Coppola, Alex Honnold, and even yours truly. That's right, I took the questionnaire too. It's all waiting for you at visitcalifornia.com. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know, whenever I explore the Golden State, I try to get travel advice from locals. They know their communities better than anyone, and they can always point you in the right direction. We've made it easy to find tips and tricks from locals at visitcalifornia.com locals. We've interviewed dozens of insiders at destinations up and down the state, including several locals who were interviewed on this very podcast. Go get the recommendations you're looking for at visitcalifornia.com slash locals. That's visitcalifornia.com slash locals.